Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and it is time for the whole nine on Blaze Radio and BlazeRadioOnline.com. I am your host, Anthony Remedios, alongside Sammy New. Sammy, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. I can't wait to get started today. Today's going to be a very, very fun episode, that's for sure. Indeed. Today, uh, with the lack, there hasn't been a lot of activity in the baseball world over the last week as we are now on day seven of the MLB lockout, the first time, the first work stoppage in baseball since, 1990, since 1994 and 1995. So uh, there hasn't been a lot of activity. There is a slight little bit of breaking news that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to get into the Hall of Fame, break down this year's ballot, give our picks. We will have the annual yearly steroid debate, and then later in the night around 9.30 or so, we will have Alex Pavlovich joining us this evening. Alex is the Giants beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area, so another hometown guy for Sammy and I coming into the show, calling into the show uh, later this evening. Very excited to get started, Sammy. Yeah, it's going to be a fun episode. Alex Pavlovich has been a... Watch him on TV for years and read a bunch of his stuff. Can't wait to get that interview done. And, um, yeah, I mean, the annual steroid argument means a lot more this year because uh, it's their last year on the ballot. But let's get into that lockdown kind of stuff. It's been boring, huh? It has. It's been, I can't imagine where I'd be without Hall of Fame tracking. But, I mean, gosh, it's complete shutdown. When you want to get into, like, the uh, – the MLB.com like website, what they did to the players, like everything's wiped. So all yeah. the data from the MLB website has been wiped. They MLB put out a letter to the fans, uh, a letter from Rob Manfred, the commissioner, and basically explaining that they have removed uh, all pissed, all player related content uh, that kind of relates to name, image, likeness, NIL stuff. That's all been temporary. Temp- temporarily removed and archived from the website uh, during the lockout. Yeah. Um, so say you go to uh, MLB.com right now. So just take the Giants, for example. You go to the MLB.com app or this, uh, the app, the website in general. You look at their stats, their roster, everything. It has, Does it have the names? I'm not even sure, but it doesn't have any of the pictures, has none of their stats. And if you go to their homepage, it'll be videos about Barry Bonds or Willie Mays or Willie McCovey, none of the current players, nothing highlighting the last season, nothing highlighting any recent seasons that have had current players on the rosters, so nothing from the 2010s teams at all. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a um, definitely a kind of shocking thing to see. Buster Posey is the one player, one of very few players who still have all their stuff there because they're retired. They have no business yeah. mm-hmm. in this lockout. So Buster Player's picture is still there. But also, all the old stories that have been written on MLB and MILB.com uh, have been have been wiped. Uh, Spencer Chihawk, another um, another mem- another student here at Cronkite, did some stuff with one of the I believe it was a it was one of the minor league teams I forget what division, but he did some broadcasting and some stories, some videos, some interview stuff over the summer uh, for an internship. And after the lockout officially started, after uh, just after we finished our show last week, he went online to try to look for some of his content, and a lot of it uh, wasn't there uh, yeah. for the same reason. So, just crazy. Um, minor leagues are a little bit different, but uh, kind of under that same token, um, all the content has been has been wiped. As for the actual progress of the lockout and the negotiations, Nothing. there really hasn't been any progress being made. Um, Rob Manfred, did you see the? 
unfortunately. The video. Yes. The video and the letter. Of, so I read, I actually don't know if I ever, you I don't know get, if I read the letter. You should read the letter. It's pretty but brutal. there's a video that started circulating late last week on Twitter. And SNY, I believe, was the original poster of this, the original, like, outlet that posted this video. Basically, it was a video of Rob Manfred talking about the negotiations. And he was saying, oh, well, the the latest, um, it's bad for the sport when teams lose, when teams lose their players after X number of years. It, it was, re- he was... Saying some of the stupidest yeah, so stuff. I think I know exactly what you're saying, but what what he really said was like, if you break it down, he said, it's bad for small market teams that they lose their players after six years, right? I, I, after only six years, they want to limit down to five years. It's bad for small market teams like the Rays and A's that lose their players after only five years, you know? And what a lot of people took that as is, oh my gosh, um... The MLB's mad that teams will have to pay their players. Like, that's what he said, is that the owners are mad they actually have to pay t- for talent that's getting money. Like, that is worth a lot of money, which is insane. Yeah. I actually found the clip. I'm going to play that oh, through okay. right now. Does it work? Uh, Rob, what oh about God. the union's proposals was bad for the sport, bad for fans, and bad for competitive balance? Let, 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 let me take let's take five-year free agency I think that the you know we already have um, teams in smaller markets that struggle to compete um, shortening the period of time that they control players makes it even harder for them to compete it's also bad for fans in those markets the most negative reaction we have is when a player leaves via free agency it, it, we don't see that making it earlier available earlier we don't see that as a positive uh, taking a hundred million dollars away from teams that are already struggling to put a competitive product on the field, I don't, I don't see how that's helpful. Uh, Rob, so that was Rob Manfred on the negotiations of free agency and decreasing the amount of time of free agency. Sammy, yeah. So like I said, but first before we get into that. Why did we not have video play early in the semester, the last show of the semester here, and we just figured out how to play audio? Oh, no, it's this cord, <laughs> this aux cord that can run stuff from our laptop through the audio board has been here all semester, and I just, nev- <laughs> I just don't think we ever thought about using it. <laughs> Gosh, uh, I mean, that's, uh, of course, the last show of the semester, we finally figured out how to do that. Hey, um, but you know what? We are... Planning to come back in the spring, yeah. so... Better late than never, right? Exactly. Um, but kind of breaking down what he said, he just says, teams have to spend money earlier. That is bad. Well, teams always have to spend money. That's part of the game. That is how the game works, is team pay, teams pay players. If you can't play players, you lose those players, and you better figure out how to win regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he said, it's bad that teams have to pay their players. That is what he said. Mm-hmm. Which is just ridiculous. And then he was saying, you know, having players be available to free agency earlier, like not being a positive. Well, but then you have guys like I believe Corey Seager, Chris Bryant too. This yeah, is his Chris first Bryant. free agency. Guys who aren't hitting free agency till they're thirty or even on the other side of thirty. Meanwhile, you have guys. Uh, granted, they were the subject of service time manipulation. But then you have a guy like Juan Soto who was ready for the majors at nineteen. He's gonna be. It's 
26, 25, 25, 26 till he can yeah, get his real money. Yeah, by the time money, he hits free Unless they extend him. I mean, Mike Trout was never a free agent. He has never been. Well, he would have been a free agent, I believe, this yeah. offseason, but then he signed the contract. Yeah. He signed the contract. Actually, I think it was going to be last offseason. Yeah. And then he signed, he signed the contract extension, extension the offseason. Imagine prior. if Trout became a free agent. <laughs> wonder how much money he would get. That would be insane. That would be the craziest offseason. Poor Trout think... for just signing his whole career in the yeah. Angels, who have not done anything yeah, they got to no build around him. Though. They got no Syndergaard. <laughs> but well, um, they do have some. and um, Shohei. But yeah, it's unfortunate that that's the way Manfred's approaching it. And how does how does saying that think that it's gonna fix anything? Like the I read into that so easily. You know how are the players gonna see that? You don't want us to get our money? Are you kidding me? Like mm-hmm. that's that's how players are gonna take that, and they're gonna get even more defensive in their stance. Yeah. Like what is how is that positive? You know, mm-hmm. and if you have time to read a letter, and all of you, I should, I would recommend reading that letter. Is um, he says he blames the players for everything. He said they were able, they they brought in a universal DH as part of their piece. You know that the 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 owners were willing to give up things except for money. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like, what do you think they're here for? Like, they're not here to, so that pitchers don't won't be able to hit. It's not that they don't care about that. You know, player position players don't care if pitchers hit or not. They care about them getting their money, you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. uh, Manfred never uh, even offered anything like that, and it's just kind of sad to honest with you. Yeah, and just kind of one last thing I'll say about this: Did you see the Ken? Ro- uh, did you see the Ken Rosenthal article today, where with basically his proposals of the CBA? Did you I did see not the- see that. What did he? What did he come up with? So he was basically talking about. Um, I'm going to find that right here, but he was basically talking about kind of his his compromise for these proposals and saying that neither side of this is going to be fully is going to be fully pleased that's that that's not how usually it always how it always always how, how always how it works sorry yeah he he was saying that, that that's not usually how it works but he basically had like four different four or five different actually six six different kind of key parts of this CBA that he has proposals for so uh, and then he justifies each one of them. But the uh, proposals are for the luxury tasks. His proposal is to increase the thresholds but decrease the penalties. For the revenue sharing, keep the formula the same but require recipients to spend on major league payroll. Free agency, his proposal is free agency after six years of service time except for players who have at least five at age 30. The elimination of the direct draft pick compensation and the creation of a low creation of a system to help low revenue teams keep franchise type players before they hit the open market. Basically allowing teams to match um, or give an offer to those like franchise icons before they before they uh, they're fair game for anybody. Yeah, but on that last point real quick, um, the whole point is that they can't match. That's the thing. Is you give them an option to, what do they? What, well, he was you think saying, the Rays wanted to let Charles or like Blake Snell? Well, you think they wanted to trade Blake Snell? You think the A's want to let all of their players walk? So if they could match the offer, then they would. So he was saying that with that, they would get some sort of subsidy from the league. Maybe that's part of the revenue sharing or okay. something else. Basically, that they would get some funding help somewhere along the way. I mean, but to then help, to help pay for that. Then if I'm the Dodgers, I'm like. Where's my subsidy? 
you know, if I'm the Yankees, I, I, this sounds terrible, but where, where's my subsidy to go get money? That Oh, that owner's not registered me? Oh, sucks for him. Yeah. And I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just reading, like, the proposal. But if you want to hear kind of his justification for it, I highly recommend checking it out. This is an article in The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal. And actually, this is, I think—no, this isn't the one that's unlocked, but uh, it's called What a New Collective Bargaining Agreement Should Look Like. Um, and then there's a couple other points here. He talked about arbitration, increasing the percentage of players who qualify for Super 2 eligibility, and increasing the minimum salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, the draft, he is proposing a draft lottery. We were sort of talking about that uh, last I time. I still don't like that, but that's uh, fine. Again, there's a whole system that he's proposing with that. And then the expanded playoffs, um, he's increased, He's proposing, Rosenthal's in proposing um, 14-team playoff with proper incentives uh, for certain teams, um, pretty much the owner's plan. So, again, this is Ken Rosenthal, one of the Baseball's biggest beat writers. No, the, I, th- I would say I would say the biggest beat writer in baseball. Yeah. I, w- I said Kurjakin earlier, but I think when we were talking earlier, but I think, I think it's Rosenthal. Arguably one of the biggest beat writers in baseball. This is nothing official. This is just his his take on the situation and some of his proposals. So we're going to get into this, a little bit more of an insight to the CBA and the current negotiations a little bit later when Alex comes to join us in about 20 minutes or so. But in the meantime, Sammy, why don't we talk about this year's Hall of Fame? I mean, there's no one there's no one big on this ballot this year, is there? I mean, it's not like it's anyone's last year or anything, it's right? It's not fun. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's, uh, exactly. It's not well, that big what's of What's new? This is, a, this is just any old Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, see, the everyone's got the same arguments with the steroid era. They cheated. They can't, won't get in, um, and they will never get in. Um, but there are a lot of different points this year that are favoring Bonds and Clemens. But let's kind of get into the like the history of what's going on here. Yeah. And um, before we do that, I do just there has been some recent news with the Hall of Fame. The different era committees have elected this year's class. I'm going to be honest. You can probably agree with me on this, Sammy. Most of these guys I'm about to read names of, I am not. Few very of them I know, but um, but it's. Second baseman, Bud Fowler. First baseman, Gil Hodges. I know that one. I know Gil Hodges. Pitcher, Jim Cat. Left fielder, Minnie Mignoso. Oh, I definitely know Mignoso. Who I know from MLB The Show. Yep. Uh, right fielder, Tony Oliva, and executive, Buck O'Neill. They have been elected as part of this year's Hall of Fame class for the Hall of, for this year's Hall of Fame. The Ford C. Frick Award winner. This is awarded to a broadcaster. Last year it was given to ASU's very own Al Michaels, who has now gone, who went here. He's part of our ASU Hall of Fame here uh, at Cronkite, and he has now gone on. He's been in uh, yeah, big parts of the He's in- probably the biggest broadcaster ever, I would say, besides yeah. me, Vince Coley. Besides in both, Vince Coley. Uh, yeah. He's done football. He's got the you miracle, see him on. Yeah. Yep, you see him on Sunday Night Football every week with Chris Collinsworth. He's done a lot in baseball. Um, I could read about his resume um, forever. But for this year, it is the late Jack Graney. Uh, Jack Graney was a left-handed amateur pitcher who joined the Cleveland Naps in 1908. Played uh, played for about a decade. Uh, he did go down to the minor league shortly after his debut for a couple seasons. But he did help Cleveland defeat Brooklyn for the title in the 1920 World Series. 
Graney uh, made history as the first to bat against Babe Ruth in the big leagues, the first 20th century big league player to have a n- number on his uniform uh, in 1916. He ended his career in 1922 with just under 1,200 hits and a 354 on base. And then in 1932, he began broadcasting games in Cleveland. Uh, he is the first for- now widely considered to be the first former big league player to broadcast a major league game broadcasted for the next uh, 22 years. Uh, he also um, has teamed up with another Ford Award winner, Jimmy Dudley. Uh, he, Dudley won the award in 97. Uh, Graney also called the World Series in 95 for a national audience, and that year's All-Star game passed away in 1978. So he will be this year's Ford Frick Award winner. And then also in big news, Tim Kirkson, uh, Sammy, who J- Sammy just mentioned, I uh, spent a long time covering baseball since since the 80s. Ken Rosenthal wrote a great editorial piece uh, just talking about his time knowing Tim. Uh, so another great and free article on The Athletic to go read. Uh, check it out. You'll really learn a lot about him. But Kirkson has spent time covering in local news in baseball uh, as a sports writer. And he now, um, he's then has gone on to, went on to write for Sports Illustrated for some time. And he's now been writing for the last, almost 25 years with ESPN and you you see him on different broadcasts and stuff as well mm-hmm. so yeah, congrats to both of them um, I'm hoping to see a little bit of an adaptment adapt, uh, a change that award and the, the Frick Award specifically in the future there's a big uh, pull to get Kruk and Kipe to go in together Absolutely. Absolutely. They are basically one entity at this point um, but yeah I mean congrats to him I'm, I'm curious as to why they chose someone who is I mean no offense but He's so far gone. Why did they choose him? I'm I know. I'm wondering that, that too. Uh, there's so many great broadcasters today in baseball that not just Kruk and Kite, but all over the major leagues mm-hmm. that could be honored um, with that award. But um, yeah, congrats to him, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we're going to now really get into this year's ballot. Just some reminders here: uh, the voting eligibility to for the for you as for someone as a writer to have a vote on this year's ballot. They have to be. They have to have at least 10 consecutive active years on a beat. And uh, once you've retired, you basically get a 10-year grace period. Um, and each voter gets to select up to 10 players every year. For the players, from a player's perspective, you basically have to have played for at least 10 years. And I'm you have to... It's a baseball player must have been active as a player in the major leagues at some time during a period between 15 years before and ending five years prior to election. You have to have played in each of 10 major league championship seasons, part of which must, must have been within that time period of, of, um, that I just mentioned. Um, you have to have been an active player in the major leagues at least five calendar years preceding the election, so you have to be at least... Uh, five years retired. Five That's years retired. Says, yeah. uh, but you can still be connected with baseball. So, you know, theoretically, somebody office, man, yeah. retired, then went into be front office. That's acceptable. Um, and then there's parts about case of death um, of an active player. So um, those are the rules to be inducted on this year's ballot. We have Kurt, returning to the ballot for the 10th and final year, Kurt Schilling who earned 71% of the votes last year. Bonds and Clemens, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, both with 61% of last year's vote. And Sammy Sosa with 17% of last year's vote. 
Jeff Kent has his ninth will be on the ballot for his ninth year, 32% last year. Going down the list here, Gary Sheffield is in his eighth year at 40% from last year. Billy Wagner, seventh year, 46%. And then the percentage is not as much um, of a difference, but coming back for the fifth year, we have Scott Rowland, Omar Vizquel, Andrew Jones, and then some of the, the more recent ad- additions, Todd Helton, fourth year, and Andy Pettit, fourth year, Mark Burley, Tory Hunter, and Tim Hudson in their second year, and Bobby Abreu in his third year. And for the first time this year on the ballot, we have Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, Mark Teixeira, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papelbon, AJ AJ Perzinski, and Ryan Howard. So, it's a lot of names. A lot of names. Mm -hmm. And I know that may be overwhelming. So, (laughs) let's kind of break this down a little bit. Let's talk about the guys that are returning to the ballot. Um, uh, before we get into the returner players, just want to cover. You need seventy five percent of the vote to qualify for the Hall of Fame. If you get, if you don't get five percent uh, on one year, you are uh, taken off the ballot. Uh, so guys like Tim Lincecum, Jake Peavy, all, there's a, always an influx of first year players who never make it to their second year because they don't get five percent of the vote. Uh, they leave the ballot, um, and each year you usually get an increment of votes. So say you got fifty percent of votes your first year. By your tenth year, you're probably in because you get three or five, three to five percent each year as it goes on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just the how it works um, for voting, kind of general sense. Thank you um, for that. And yeah, so just kind of a way to and it's, baseball is widely regarded as the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. It really is not close. Like I was talking to a friend earlier, um, and we were talking about Buster Posey's Hall of Fame case just for a second. And he's a basketball guy, and he goes, "I go, doesn't he have a? He goes, doesn't he have an MVP?" And I go, yeah, so shouldn't he be in the Hall of Fame? I'm like, ha, ha, that's a good one you got there. Um, when we have a guy who has seven MVPs and is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, but that's for a different reason. But, um, yeah, so baseball is widely regarded as the hardest by far Hall of Fame to get into. You, uh, and there's a couple different reasons as to why uh, I think the steroid argument, the steroid era is finally going to come to an end with Bonds and Clemens making the Hall of Fame this year, hopefully. But uh, let's get into that now. I do want to say, uh, before we do get into it, um, those percentages and in terms of the jumps and the likelihood, that's not 100% set in stone. You know, we have seen players make huge jumps at some point in their time. Uh, Larry Walker is probably the most recent example of that. He gained, I think it was close to 10% yeah. in his final year, I believe. And that's because it, it was his final year, which is why I think Bonds and Clemens finally get in. And but, I agree. Yeah, so here's here's just my case for why Bonds and Clemens have not gotten in first. Mm-hmm. Um, steroid users. Obviously, Bonds grew like ten sizes in a shirt or something like that. He his shoulders got massive. His neck was twice the size. His head was twice the size. Um, kind of just a, a massive increase in mass. It's it was pretty obvious. He took steroids, um, which is unfortunate because he's the best player of all time. You know, statistically, there's no one coming close. Um, he has like a hundred and sixty WAR, seven, leads the league in home runs of all time. I mean, just crazy stats. Seven MVPs, like I mentioned just earlier. Um, Three-time Hank Aaron Award winner. Yeah, just insane. His, his, we don't even need to get into his awards. He's well-known. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so the reason why him and a guy like Roger Clemens haven't made the Hall of Fame is because they, they cheated in the eyes of the voters, which they probably is a, definitely a solid case to not bring them in. Mm-hmm. But um, historically, like we just said, people get a boost on last year of the ballot. Um, and there's a theory going around 
that since it's the last year of the ballot, maybe the voters just wanted to punish Rodgers and uh, Bonds and Clemens, keeping them all the way to the last year until finally giving them their vote um, and getting them that 75%. And then the other case for me personally is that there's two names in the ballot this year that you mentioned earlier that are completely new and that have steroid connections, but both deserve to be in the Hall of Fame is Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz. David Ortiz specifically is definitely an interesting case to me because it was reported that he positive, tested positive for steroids. He denies it, right, um, obviously. But the report's out there. It's on, it's on his name. Um, but David Ortiz is probably one of the most liked baseball players of all time. Absolutely. The big poppy, the Red Sox, you know, won three World Series, an MVP. I mean, just so many accolades to go to. David Ortiz's uh, like just career, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna vote Ortiz in, you have to vote Bonds and Clemens in. Yeah, you know that's the thing. Um, so there's a bunch of different things as to why Bonds and Clemens might get in this year, and I hope they do because, man, it's just a shame that they're kept out. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the fact that yes, Bonds and Clemens were part of the steroid era, but that's a whole era of baseball. Everybody was doing it. McGuire. Sosa, it, 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 that I mean, MLB. there's theories about Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell, who are both in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's a bunch of guys who who never tested positive but are part of the era in an era that home runs are prevalent and they hit a lot of home runs. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. And the people who hit a lot of home runs usually took steroids. And the thing is, MLB didn't crack down on it till really after their time. They were the guys that brought the issue to light. MLB is reactive to their mm-hmm. problems. We saw that this year. We talked early on few prior episodes about the sticky tack with pitchers. That was reactive, not proactive. I mean, they didn't no. care about it until they were blasted in the media. Exactly. Which is the same case here. I mean, and, and so with Bonds and Clemens, you can't keep a whole era out of baseball, especially guys of that caliber. And, you know, you were talking about Buster Posey a couple minutes ago. And, you know, my case about... Posey kind of in the same sense. Now, his whole hall of, whether or not he's a Hall of Famer has nothing to do with that. But you look at a guy like Buster Posey whose stats may Nowhere be, close. Yeah, nowhere close. Literally not even. However, Buster Posey is one of the most loved players in baseball. And he did everything cleanly, everything correctly. Who he is as a character, as a person... Which stands out into, much more in comparison to these, much mm-hmm. better in comparison to these guys. Yeah, you know the other argument against Bonds. Um, I don't know if you watched the. Did you watch that I ESPN? Did, yeah. So there's an ESPN E60 documentary that came out about a month ago about Barry Bonds and his Hall of Fame case, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But one of the things they were saying in that documentary is that uh, he wasn't very he wasn't very friendly to the media. Well, he was a I mean, I can't say that on air. He was not a very nice person. And that's something that I think our generation doesn't know about. You know, we weren't the guys covering him. We're from a generation that really was seeing the tail end of his career really when he was peaking. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have Bonds in on my ballot. Other guys I have on my ballot here, Gary Sheffield. Yeah. Let's talk about Gary Sheffield for a second here. I mean, if Bonds and Clemens get in, Gary Sheffield goes in. That, that, that's the whole thing is, like, Gary Sheffield was also in the huge report called the Mitchell Report where hundreds of players were exposed of using steroids. Gary Sheffield's on the list. 
You know, he has he's in the five hundred home run club. He's definitely a great player. Um, should be in the Hall of Fame, but is not let in because he was on the Mitchell Report and. You can't let Sheffield in, who was by far a worse player. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. That just shows you how much Bonds and Clemens were better. Um, but you can't let him in before you let Bonds and Clemens in. And I actually have an interesting proposition to you. Okay. That I, that I, I watched in a YouTube video, and I, I've been doing a lot of research on this recently. Okay. And some guy gave me an interesting uh, idea is that a steroid tax, right? Um, steroid tax is that if you took steroids – you have to have such better numbers. Like, your numbers have to be off the charts. So say a guy like Buster Posey was accused of using steroids. Mm-hmm. He, there's no way he gets in the Hall of Fame because his numbers aren't good. You know what I mean? I mean, but Bonds and Clemens passed that test, obviously. Um, guys like Sammy Sosa might. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Sammy, Sammy Sosa without the steroids, does, is he as good? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's that thing called a steroid tax where it's like Bonds and Clemens were the best players of the generation – but they took steroids, but they were so much better than everybody else. Well, and here's the thing. Despite taking steroids, you still have to know how to hit the ball. You still – those fundamentals and those skills still have to be there. Mm-hmm. And Bonds had those numbers that were Hall of Fame worthy before all that. He was the first player to hit 400, 400 home runs and have 400 stolen bases, for crying out loud. Yeah, and something crazy about Bonds – I like to compare him and Tom Brady together because, one, they went to the same high school, but, two <laughs> – um, that they kind of have both have two separate Hall of Fame careers in a way. You have mm-hmm. Bonds pre Giants and Bonds post Giants, and you have Brady po- pre injury and you have Brady post injury. You know those two different careers are just completely d- separate. That are, I mean, they could both make the Hall of Fame. You know, mm-hmm. and you know with Bonds too, he has more walks than anybody in the sport. He was walked. If you look at his stats from, I believe it was two thousand four. He has inten- he has been intentional he has 232 walks. How many walks. of those were intentional is insane. Uh, I, I saw a stat earlier that he has more intentional rock walks than the entire Tampa Bay Rays organization. Yes, I saw I think I saw that exact same mm-hmm. that exact same post. Yeah. So, so just going to speak about Bond stats and stuff. So a lot more a lot of good stuff to get into. We're going to take a short break here. Alex Pavlovich is going to join us just on the other side. And we're going to talk a little bit more kind of about some of the same stuff we've been talking about earlier today. We'll ask him about the CBA and the lockout, and then we'll get into the Hall of Fame stuff. This is also Alex's first year having a ballot and a vote. Yeah, so, so he might not be able to tell us everything about his ballot. We're hoping to get a little bit of a, yeah. a scoop and there. And but... how much he chooses to give is 100% up to him. It is his choice. So. Mm-hmm. We will see you on the other side in just a couple minutes. You are listening to The Whole Nine on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Guess who's back? Back again. Spurge is back. Tell a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to bring to you the Spurge. I'm Jordan Spurgeon, host of the Spurge, live on BlazeRadioOnline.com every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. So if you want to tune in for my three-word NFL game, my Spurge echelon, and of course all the latest news and notes. 
from around the world of sports, definitely tune into The Spurge live on blazeradioonline.com every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. Hey everyone, it's Nicholas Petrisky here from Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Park the bus! Park the bus! Join me, Ethan Schwager, Alex McDonald, and Ryan Sorka as we discuss everything about the U.S. men's national team. In the upper 90! Champions League. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to to Blaze Radio and the whole nine, Mr. Alex Pavlovich. Alex is the Giants beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area. Alex, how's it going today? Good, how are you? Doing well. Thanks again so much for joining us this evening and once again, uh, congratulations on this being your first year with the Hall of Fame boat. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a, it's a long wait once you start doing this, but um, it, it's pretty cool when you get that letter. Absolutely. Yeah, Alex, I'm curious. I mean, is it a, do you, are you excited to vote for the ballot? I heard it's a lot of stress for a lot of uh, different writers out there. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I think there's probably some stress, uh, but, I, you know, Anybody who does this, like you vote for awards every year for the most part. So, um, and especially the B writers, you usually vote for MVP or Cy Young. So, it's something we're pretty used to. Um, Hall of Fame's a, a little bit different, but I also think it's in some ways easier. Like a lot of these guys are cut and dry cases for me, and I know they are for uh, for a lot of the voters. So, I don't think it should be stressful. I, I think it's a cool part of our job. And you know, something I've just been wondering, Alex, is Hall of Fame voting compared to you know, some of those other regular season awards you were talking about. In terms of the qualifications for earning a vote for those awards, is it different? You know, for for those awards, you still need that 10 years, or how does that work? Uh, it is different. For those yearly awards, you don't need the 10 years. Um, and, and you can, I'm pretty sure, actually, most people, just because of the way it works, because uh, there's every single, every single one of those awards, um, two people from every chapter get to vote. So... If you're in the Bay Area chapter, I think we have 23 active members. We have the Giants and A's here. Um, there's four awards in each league. So there's a lot of ballots to go around. Uh, I know my first year, I don't remember what I had, but I, I definitely voted. And I, I think people who have gotten into the Baseball Writers Association in our chapter have have generally voted pretty quickly. I mean, it's not MVP right away, but um, you'll get a Rookie of the Year or, or Manager of the Year. But the Hall of Fame one is, is – a very strict, like you have to be doing this for 10 years. So um, that I, I think is, is one thing that makes it a little bit more special for people is just, it is a, a sign of longevity and the fact that you've done it for a while. And then also the flip side, like if, if you're out of the business, um, I think it's five years, something like that. It, you do lose that right sometimes too. So uh, yeah, it, it is a select group of people who are voting right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's definitely an impressive feat to be able to be in the industry for 10 years and get on that ballot. Well, it feels like I've already been waiting for 10 years for this lockout to end, and we're going to wait so much longer. <laughs> I'm curious, how long do you think this lockout's going to go? Are we threatening spring training or, or regular season games at all, or what do you think? I think at least February. I mean, until you start looking at um, them people losing revenue, which the very first time that happens will be the first spring games, which I, I think are February 23rd or 24th something like that. So until you start threatening those, um, I, I don't think there's going to be much movement from either side. And so I, I think we're looking at 
early February that, that uh, maybe it picks up. And they're far apart. So it, it might be something where you actually have to miss spring training games for, for some movement. I don't think they'll miss regular season games. I think they understand that that would be, you know, just it's asking fans a lot in this day and age to, to do that to them and then be like, okay, come on back um, in May or whatever it is. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we missed some spring training games or spring training starts a little bit late. And, um, you know, in that case, maybe a lot of the stars don't play the first couple weeks of games. Um, but I, I don't think this is something that will actually go into April. Yeah, I mean, I've been definitely uh, reading a lot about it and just seeing, I mean, the owners don't lose the revenue after losing all of that revenue from COVID last year. Um, so, and I don't think they could do that to the, uh, players and fans as well. So my, my other question for you is we just saw the busiest, uh, flurry of free agency we've ever seen. Is that what we're going to see on the other side of this lockout or are players going to risk missing regular season games at all who have not signed yet? I think we'll see that except it'll be a different scale. I mean, it'll, I think, you know, 60% of the money that went out, um, over that week went to like six guys. So I, I think we're going to see another flurry, but it's going to be 100 guys, 150 guys, because everybody has to sign then. And that, it does look like if this goes into February, at some point you're going to have a week or 10 days or two weeks to figure out where you want to go. And, and there will be a lot of guys who probably wait until spring training starts as they continue to look for the right deal. But there are going to be a lot of guys who are also ready. Like if this ends, say, February 5th, like there are going to be a bunch of guys who are like, I have – what, eight, nine days to get ready for spring training and, and find a place to be and, and figure out where I'm going to be. So um, there's going to be a flurry. I just think it'll be a much smaller scale. It'll, it'll be a bunch of people signing for much smaller deals. You know, do you think that this flurry that we saw, do you think this is going to be the new norm? In the sense, you know, I was talking to Sammy last week when we did our show about, hey, I'm kind of feeling like this is the NBA out here with just how quickly all these moves were happening and with the type of contracts that were being handed out. Do you think this is something that we're going to see uh, become the new norm? No, I, I don't think so. It was kind of deadline-driven, and, and especially the fact that people had to take physicals and, and get those done before the walkout. Um, it, it really was driven by that date. I wish it was the new norm. I, I think it's, you know, I, I personally, as a beat writer, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a frantic three, four days there, but you knew that it was over once it was over. So it, it's nice to not like have your phone in your hand all day long, all of December and all of January. Um, but I, I wish they would find a way to kind of replicate that. I, I think there's a pretty easy way. I mean, um, you know, I think you could do that maybe through the end of the winter meetings is, is maybe the, the last day people can sign until the new year or until January 15th or something like that. And, and so you could replicate that in a way but still allow people to be patient if they want to. Um, but it, it was cool. I, I wish they would do it. I just think we're, we're going to, you know, it was really driven by the lockout and driven by that deadline. And I, I think that's why it'll be probably back to normal next year. Which, which is just so unfortunate to me because, like I said, I would love a deadline. Just like a, maybe like a January 1st, just getting all that signing uh, done by the new year. And um, just to see uh, where those guys would sign, how much more money would be sent so much faster. Um, and yeah, definitely interesting. Well, I, I kind of move on to the Hall of Fame here. It's kind of the topic of this show um, today. And I'm curious if – I don't know if how much you can tell us as a, a voter, but do you see Bonds and Clemens in their last year increasing uh, enough to make this Hall of Fame? I don't. I think it's been so gradual um, that it, it's just – they have such a long way to go. And I, I think we've seen you know people generally – a lot of people get in on their last year, they get to like, you know, 
68, 70, 72%, and they get right on the verge. And you you know that the next year they'll get those votes to push them over the top. But I think both these guys, I mean, it's really been incremental the last four or five years, and, and they're still so far away that you're asking a lot of people to change their mind. And I'm sure some people will. I think there are probably some people who are waiting until the last year to vote for them. I'm sure there are people who are going to change their minds when they look at the ballot. I mean, I, I have it here. Like, it's, you go through it, and there's a lot of people who have the same connection. So, um, and, and certainly they've both been helped a little bit by younger generations. Like, I can tell you guys all vote for both of them. And uh, I think most people in, in my vote feel the same way, and, and so they've been helped uh, by that. But I just think they're both so far away. Uh, and like for me, we were talking earlier this earlier this evening about a guy like Larry Walker making that jump in his in his final year uh, two years ago to make that to make that seventy five percent. But also, you know, the fact that here we have Bonds and Clemens that are now being joined by guys like A Rod, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, who I feel like was part of the steroid era, but other guys that, from that era that are now being part of that. Kind of, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm really curious to see what what uh, people's ballots end up looking like, and especially people um, from the East Coast, and quite frankly, people from Boston, because I, I think there are probably a lot of people there who have held it against farms over the years, and I, I don't think you logically cannot have a ballot that does not have bonds on it but has some of these other people on it. But there are going to be people who do that. So we've seen um, some of those. I'm, yeah, I think there was one today, right? Where I saw one today or yesterday where Ortiz was on it and Bonds was not. So that's just like that's the thing that sucks about this process is people can do that and turn on the ballot and it makes no sense. And a lot of people don't have to ever explain themselves. Some people do. Um, a lot of people prefer to stay anonymous or, or not have to answer for it. Um, and I, that's part of why I think they're not going to get in because I just think there are a lot of people who will, you know, you could sit there with them at a bar and say, how does this make sense? Mm-hmm. And they probably can't explain it, but when they mail in their ballot, um, they don't really have to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here, here's just I'm push kind of building off that and the idea that once Bonds and Clemens are off the ballot, regardless if they make it or not, and do you see Ortiz's guys like Ortiz and Rodriguez? Do you see their votes spiking in the next couple of years if because they don't have to worry about voting Bonds and Clemens in? Um, potentially, I, it could go the other way too. I mean, if, if those guys don't get in. Especially with A-Rod, like if those guys don't get in, I don't know what the argument is for him. So I, I don't, you know, Ortiz at least, people who vote for him, I know some of them will hide behind the fact that the commissioner came out and said you can't trust that test, um, you know, years later. And, and it wasn't as strong as the evidence on, on some of the other guys. But, uh, you know, if, if those two guys don't get in this year, um, talking about Bonds and Clemens, uh, it, it's going to be a long way for A-Rod because it, he's in a very similar situation and somebody who's a, by the numbers and by everything he did early in his career is a clear Hall of Famer but um, has that steroid connection, obviously. So he, I, I think Ortiz is probably going to get in pretty easily over time or, or pretty quickly, too. Um, but I, I think A-Rod might have to wait a while like these other two. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, that I remember from the E60 documentary about a month back is that you know writers were saying that Bonds wasn't very kind to the media. Do you think if it were a different generation, you know, like guys in you know in my generation who really didn't get a chance to cover him as much, do you think that the votes would change for Bonds and Clemens? Do you think that you know actually covering him had somewhat of an impact? 
because yeah, of that. Yeah, I, I do think it would change. I, I think, um, you know, I, I do think that's one thing we've seen is, is the younger generation. Plus, we grew up, like, watching these guys. And, just, and we grew up watching the steroid era and understand that we, what we were watching was the steroid era. And, you know, I, it, to me, that's what's so hypocritical about the older voters. And I, I've talked to some of them here in the Bay Area chapter who haven't voted for him and won't vote for him. And, you know, I go, you guys covered all this. You benefited from all of this. Your, your careers um, reached new heights in, in some forms because of all this. And nobody called him out um, when it was happening. It's just after the fact. And, and now you're going to hold it against these guys years later. So, uh, And I do think that there's a personal aspect to this. I mean, he certainly did not treat the media well I, i've met him a few times um and you know he's hit and miss I, I can see how he had been surly during his career he's been like that um at times uh as a coach or as a spring training instructor or when it's been around and i think there are people who still hold that against him so that to me is, is something that is, is another just small factor in all of this i, I don't think there's any doubt that what you're going to see from especially ortiz is just the fact that he treated the media much better and that was smart on his part, and, and I think that'll benefit from him. That'll benefit him. Yeah, kind of just one last question before I let you go here, Alex. Uh, thank you for coming on once again. But what is your opinion? Kind of, There's a lot of drama around the character clause here as like the last thing on the ballot with that's, that's holding kind of things like bonds out, like we just mentioned. Um, how big of an impact will the character clause have on your ballot if you can, uh, if you can answer that? And is it holding, like we just mentioned, it's holding guys like bonds out. Is it holding anyone else out? It's a really good question. It is something I've started to think about a little bit. And um, not with Bonds. I, I don't think with Schilling, although I, I'll be honest, like I have to I have to go back and research some of that stuff a little bit closer. I don't, I don't think it'll impact his vote. But I'll, I'll tell you with Omar Vizquel, like what's come out with him is, is jarring. And um, that that is something that I, I will I will take a look at. We have until December 31st to send our ballots in. So uh, I kind of have a general idea of what I want to do with a lot of guys, but there are certain, there are probably three or four guys on that ballot that I, I think I need to look at very closely and, and look at all aspects of it. And um, that includes the character clause and, and that includes that part of it. Um, you know, I'm not saying I, I would never vote for some of these people, but I, I think it also depends with guys like what year they're in. Uh, if a guy has some red flags and it's year two or three, like that to me is, is a lot easier to pass on him than year nine or 10 because that's his last chance. So um, definitely something I'll look at. I know something people have used. I think people have weaponized it a little bit for the steroid stuff because that's not really a character clause issue. I mean, that's, you know, a ton of people are doing it and people probably still are. So, uh, but there are a few people on that ballot who, um, yeah, you, you have to look at that when it comes to their, their name and, and putting a check mark next to it. Great answer there, Alex. And kind of one last question for me before yeah. we sign off for the night uh, with you here. You know, who are some of the underrated Hall of Fame picks if you are comfortable answering, or you know, maybe somebody that will surprisingly get a high number of votes. You know, especially with some of these first balloters. You know, we have guys like PV and Timmy Linskin, Linskin, who might have a little bit of an interesting case, but even just some of the other guys in general who maybe are going to get more than people are expecting. Yeah. You know, I covered both those guys. I know both those guys. Um, I'm going to look closely at both of, of their cases and really the historic precedent that's been set with other people. Uh, you know, last year I, I was really happy to see Tim Hudson got past 5% because it, it kept him on about another year. He has 
he has a lot of wins. I don't know how many it is, but he, you look at what he did in his career. Um, I think he's at like 210 wins or something like that. So he he's up there, and, and he put up the kind of numbers that we probably won't really see much of anymore. And I, I think TV is probably uh, pretty similar. Timmy's a, a really fascinating case, and I will I'm sure I will spend multiple days on that. In December, I mean, I, I grew up here. I grew up a Giants fan. I I, uh, I covered him. Um, I started doing this in 2012, so I, I covered him for a few years. I, I know him pretty well, and um, what he did at his peak was incredible. And I, I just think it's, you know, it'll. Be, I have to go back and look. And, and he's, he's. I don't think he's ever going to get in, but he is somebody who I, I think is worthy of at least, at least keeping him on for a second ballot um, if people take a close look at it potentially. Uh, and, then, and then the underrated one, I mean, somebody I'm excited to vote for personally is Jeff Kent, just because you look at the numbers he put up over his career and, and what he did and, and what he did as a second baseman. Um, it's incredible. I don't think he gets talked about very often and um, probably somebody who will have to wait until pretty late in the process to, to get his to get his respect. But um, he, he is somebody I would imagine that I will be voting for pretty easily and, and somebody that I, I think should get more respect. Great. Well, thanks again so much for joining us this evening, Alex. All the best to you and your family during the holidays, and hopefully we'll have you back at some point. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Alex Pavlovich, Giants beat reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area. A um, couple last thoughts here, Sammy, before we wrap up. Kind of, Where do you stand with, with Kurt Schilling? So something really interesting about Kurt Schilling that I read into is that after last year, he got to like 72% or something like that. Yeah, 71 he, and some decimal. He, he came out to the media and said, don't vote me in. Like, I, I, I don't want to be voted. He felt he was disrespected. He felt that the media didn't give him his rights, his, like, his, his due diligence, I guess. And he said, I don't want to be voted by, in by the media. I want to be voted in by my peers, um, which is just like the later ballot, like the Golden Era Committee, like you mentioned earlier. Um, but that's something that will – that is something really interesting to me is like if if I'm looking at it from the media perspective and I'm giving out my vote, if I'm saying you don't want me to vote you in, I'm not going to vote you in. You know what I mean? And we've already seen him lose a couple ballots this year on the tracker. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Absolutely. And – I am somebody who is a very big, strong believer in a couple things. Number one, the whole first ballot debate and, you know, is somebody first ballot, second ballot, eighth, whatever. In my opinion, if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. However, I do respect the fact that first ballot is truly for, you know, should in some ways truly be for some of the greats. Jeter, Griffey, uh, others. Mo, yeah. Mo, Mo Rivera, exactly, and so on. Arguably, and very likely, Buster Posey. But, um, you know, guys like that that truly have played to exceptional heights. Cal Ripken being another one. So that's one thing I'm very, uh, I'm pretty heavily believe, believer in. But the other thing is taking people off the ballot. I am very rarely, I am very, for the most part, very against that. And just, you know, if someone's a Hall of Famer, they're a Hall of Famer. However, what, what, Schilling, what do you mean by taking them off the ballot? I'm just curious what you mean by that. From a voter's perspective, voting someone in, putting the check mark for a certain guy one year, and then in a later year, not putting that same check mark. 
the thing that's curious to me when it comes okay. to people taking people off the ballot is like he uh, Alex mentioned Tim Lincecum and keeping him Tim Hudson keeping him on that second year, mm-hmm. like that's a problem to me. If you're gonna vote a guy just to keep him, just so you can keep him on for two more years and not vote him in, like that's a really interesting case to me because. I, although how much I love Tim Lincecum, even Alex said it, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? So why mm-hmm. is he still on the ballot? You know Fair. what I mean? But, you know, for a guy like Schilling, his numbers are there. His statistics are there. And I would have voted him in for that. Now, all the other political stuff and controversy surrounding him, I was going to pretty much the, put aside that. That's the character clause. Like That's the question right. I asked. Is that There's a clause on the Hall of Fame ballot. Is this guy a good dude? What? Who cares? It's just for talent and talent only. That's right. what the Hall of Fame is for. Sure, you want to keep it as a, like a, a just like a memory and a, a museum to all of baseball. But if you look at, let's take uh, what uh, Ricky Branch brought in Jackie Robinson. I'm sure a bunch of his contemporaries in that era who were very very racist are in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know what I mean? Like, come on. And, and for me, like with Schilling, the fact that he sent that letter. And went off on the Hall of Fame last year going, hey, don't vote me in. Don't vote me in. Take me off the ballot. I don't even want my 10th year on the ballot. That, to me, is just like, whoa. Well, yeah, you definitely are not. That's where I'm like, yeah, I'm taking you. I am not voting you in mm-hmm. in subsequent years. I so mean, Yeah, the idea of, like, you're asking not to be voted in, that's one thing I'll take. I, it's like He's good enough. I don't know why he isn't. Isn't in yet, and that character cause just it bugs me. And it's just like, if that's not an idea, if that's not on the ballot, if that's not like part of the rules, then there's so like there's nobody. Yeah, like Alex said, they're weaponizing it against steroid users, and that's not how that should be used. And it's just really interesting that that plays such a major role. That that's on an equal level. The character is on an equal level of voting rights as the talent. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. the character is that one last thing that puts you in. Right. Yeah. But it, the talents are so much more important to me. Yeah. In the, in the, in the stats and the mm-hmm. stats. Yeah. And I'll kind of ask you, Sammy, before we go, kind of the same thing I asked Alex at the end there. You know, who are some of your underrated picks? Somebody who may surprisingly get more than what pe- more votes than people were expecting, or mm-hmm. you know, some first balloters that are going to stick around, yes. or maybe not stick around. So for me, um, I don't think Timmy's going to make the five percent. I don't think a lot of these guys will make the five percent. Um, obviously Ortiz on a rod wheel, but one case I've seen that has been kind of viral on social media lately and been kind of pushed all around is the skate is the case for Scott Rowan. Um, kind of been an underrated thing. I had to do some research into Scott Rowan because I didn't quite know who he was. Kind of just raised in the wrong, raised in the wrong era. Uh-huh. But yeah, there's been a huge push for him to make it. I said he might make a huge spike this year and get up close to that. 75%. He's kind of probably going to be a guy who gets to that last year and then gets over the top, like Alex said, kind of like that 68, 70, 60 to 72 range in your last year, you usually get in. Um, um, and I think he'll be that guy. Yeah, and Roland, I think, is a guy, I think him and Vizquel are two guys that over the last two ballot years have really seen those big spikes. And Scott Roland did finish with 52.9% of the vote last year. Omar Vizquel with 49.1%. And they are only in their fifth ballot this year, so they still have not too much ground to cover in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Omar Vizquel with like what what 
Alex said was like he's got a huge red flag past, and that's where that character cost comes in. But yeah, I think we covered it pretty well today. The Hall of Fame is definitely gonna be an interesting case this year. All eyes are on Bonds and Clemens and um, and A Rod and David Ortiz, but we'll see how this plays out. You know, uh, how much will Ortiz get is really interesting to me. How much will A Rod get? A Rod's gonna have way less than Ortiz. I already know that because A Rod got tested positive like 2016, way after. Yeah, he was caught multiple times. Yeah, but David Ortiz is interesting. He got caught once. Um, in a report that was said not trusted. So it'll be interesting to see how Bonds affects Ortiz and how, in a way, Ortiz affects Bonds. Absolutely. And when we come back from the break, this um, this is our final show, at least in studio, here of the semester. We, it's been a pleasure, everybody. It, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Thanks to all the guests that we have had on throughout the course of the semester. We had Justin, we had your buddy Justin. Mm-hmm. We had Kerry Crowley joining us during the World Series. We just had Alex Pavlovich tonight. We have a lot more lined up for the spring, especially once spring training. Hopefully whenever, hits. Hopefully hits. Whenever that ends <laughs> up hitting, uh, hopefully we can get some in-studio, some more in-studio guests to join us. But we, as of right now, are not planning to do too much content over winter break. Keep up to date mm-hmm. on both of our Twitters, our personal Mine is AR Sports 20. Sammy is uh, Newt Sammy, just my name backwards. And that is spelled N U T E S A M M Y. And you can also follow us on our show Twitter at the whole nine A S U. That is the whole W H O L E, the number nine A S U. Yeah, I don't expect to do any shows over the break, but if, like, say that lockdown ends, you can definitely hear from us covering that as soon as it happens for sure getting on just getting an episode out there um but yeah thanks for listening everybody and when we come back in the spring in those first few episodes we'll have more updates on the hall of fame it'll be right around the time that the ballot results are officially announced which will be on january 25th that is a tuesday um and also the mr tibbs tracker spreadsheet will also be way more up to date than than it is now so with that everybody Thanks for a great semester. This is Anthony Remedios and Sammy Newt signing off on the whole nine at Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Have a great holidays. All the best to you, and we will see you in the new year. One last time. Merry Christmas, everybody. Sign off. Happy holidays.